Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm joined by Darren Gregory. Darren is an amateur brewer and has his own electric brewery named the Red Baron Brewery. Now, brewing happens to be one of my main interests, and over the last four years, I've brewed approximately 58 times, producing lagers, bitters, porters, and IPAs, most of which I give away to family and friends. I couldn't possibly drink it all myself. So in this episode, Darren and I talk about our shared interest. We swap tips and genuinely enthuse about this fantastic hobby. If you're thinking about brewing, and I can thoroughly recommend it, there are plenty of resources out there in terms of books, online forums and YouTube videos. It's one of those hobbies that involves chemistry, biology, physics and creativity with the added bonus of something very tasty at the end of it. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello Darren, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about amateur brewing. I thought I'd just say for listeners that we're both brewers and we're going to have a conversation about brewing, particularly of, of interest to those people who perhaps have just started brewing or are thinking about brewing, but also for people who just want a general, you know, they just got a general interest in brewing. Because um, obviously brewing's come a long way since when my dad did it, uh, bless him, when, when he did his boots kits. And there, was a, there were explosions in airing cupboards and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so just a bit about you. How, how long have you been brewing, Darren? Uh, probably about four years now, I think. I mean, it's, it's been a bit on and off, um, but I try and get brewing in whenever I can. You know, it's hard when you're working around a family because you're doing all grain. It takes all day, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a bit of a journey. Like myself, you're an all-grain brewer. Yeah, I started um, with a, a small little extract kit. Uh, went into a partial extract straight after that, and then I was just gripped with it so much, I thought, I'm just going to invest and go mad. Yeah. No, it's it, it's great fun brewing, isn't it? I, I actually went straight into all grain brewing about three years ago. Oh, right. Um, I didn't bother with the kits, hmm. um, but it was, it was certainly a, a huge learning process. Oh yeah, just, you just can't get enough of it. I mean, once you start, I mean, there's so much information out there; it's just unreal, and you don't realise how yeah. scientific it actually is. You could kind of think, you know, oh, you just throw everything in a bucket and it kind of does what it does, but I mean, there's there's so much to it, and it's, it's you can't get enough learning. What sort of resources did you use? I started um, looking for a few little books and I happened upon the Greg Hughes. Uh, and uh, then I started, I went onto Facebook, I joined a group and realised there was quite a lot of like-minded people that had that book as well. So it was quite yeah. nice to have that as a resource. Um, yeah. But then I moved on to uh, Randy Mosher and I found him and I fell in love with all his books. I think I owned everything yeah. he's ever written. He's but, one of the American brewers, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to find anything of really substantial of an english brewer you know because it seems yeah. to be much more they seem to have gone so much more crazy over there with it so it's nice yeah. to get that aspect but it would be nice to have a, a real english book to rely on i think was brewing something you'd always wanted to do funny enough i was trying to um i'm a 3d animator uh college or well, university trained and oh, really? um i tried to push that so basically i come out of university try to get a job nobody wants you without x amount of years of experience uh, ended up getting falling into graphics design for a while. Um, and I was trying to do a bit of freelance 3D modeling work, and it really wasn't working for me. And I went to Wilkinson's, and I saw this little little tiny ad on the wall. 
saying some guy was selling a brew kit. And I thought, I've done that years ago with my dad and it wasn't that great. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it another try. I mean, what can I, it was something like 30 quid. And the amount of stuff yeah. this guy brought out, it was horrendous. It was just like bottles oh, really? and, you know, all, all the, you know, like the ancient brew uh, kit from yeah, Boots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was one of those. And um, I made a beer and it was awful. <laughs> it, was, it was supposed to be a uh, old speckled hen clone, which I, I liked drinking. So I thought, you know what, I'll have that, give that a go. And the the alcohol percentage went through the roof. It was something like 7.8% or something. Wow. It was wow. crazy. But it was so astringent. You know, it had that real taste. And I took it down to my cousin's and we drank it all night. I woke up with no hangover and I thought, you know what, that was horrible, but I loved it. I loved that every single part of it. You know, although it was an extract kit, I still did it myself, you know. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you did a kit first. And so mm. I suppose what we ought to do for listeners, we ought to um, explain what all grain is. How would you explain all grain? Well, all grain, I would say, is um, almost like making a cake uh, from every kind of little basic ingredient you can get, making that cake up. So you're taking, you're getting your grain, um, which can come in a variety of different malts and uh, roasted qualities and stuff like that. And again, they, they, they have so many different uh, variations, that sort of thing. So you've got a lot more control over what you want to do. Um, you've also got your yeast and your hops and also your water. So the three valuable things that you can completely customize all the way down to the basic like elements and that. Yes. I, I think that's what I, fi- I find fascinating about brewing beer is, is that there are so many variables Hmm. Not not just the water, the grain, the yeast, and the hops, but but also you know the, the process you do it hmm. you do it at as well. Actual well, equipment you use and everything. Oh, I mean, even the even gets down to the the temperatures you hold it at because the enzymes work at different values, and you can play on using uh, them two enzymes to to work different types of sugar uh, molecules. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, this I get a little uh, like tingly just talking about it because I love it so much. You, actually, you've got me going. Enzymes, <laughs> enzymes. What? Tell me about the enzymes. What do they do? Right. So you basically got your alpha and you got beta um, amylase. Yeah. I remember yeah. this rightly. This is going back in the book now. I probably might get these confused. Yeah. And they work at two ends of the spectrum. So yeah. working, you generally try and work around sixty-seven point five, somewhere around that yeah. sort of weight. And it works both basically both enzymes, both ends of the sugar molecule because you have um, malt. And as as it starts, uh, as you add water to it, the enzymes within the malt itself come out and break down the. Oh God! It's um, why does my keep going blank? The starch, yes, thank you. (laughs) Why keeps going blank? (laughs) Yes, the starch. So basically, you have two different enzymes. One one works if you imagine a chain of sugars. One works by eating um, the ends of the chain, which everyone rightly is the alpha amylase. And the beta amylase just sort of nips it all the way through. So if you yeah. if you want a sweeter um, beer, then you tend to leave it on the, the higher end of the temperature grade because the alpha amylase only nips at the ends of the molecule, whereas the other one sort of nips it throughout. So if you hold it at one temperature and then the other, you can get a very dry beer, but you'll get as much alcohol content as possible. And I think listeners, when they get into making beer, they, they start learning things like amylase oh, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, I suppose what we ought to do is just, we, we've briefly mentioned beer and water and all the rest of it. But mm. If we just go through the kits, because one of the things that um, I was quite impressed with, Darren, was uh, obviously you, you've got a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, you've actually got an electric brewery. Yeah. <laughs> which I have to say, I was very impressed with. I, just for the, for listeners, I mean, there are various ways of 
making beer um, process wise. So, so you've got things. You, you basically got a three vessel system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you've got a what they call a hot liquor tank. You got a mash tun, and you've got a a kettle or a boiler, and you can do that. And I I tend to Darren, I tend to just use gravity. Oh yeah, yeah. So whereas you're using electric, aren't you? So yes, yeah, it's because I haven't got the height. Uh, okay, so just explain for listeners the difference between yours and mine because it'd be quite interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, how are you sparging yours? Um, I've done it in a number of ways. I started off the the guy I bought the kit again. I bought a second hand kit from somebody. Yeah, he he, he he within the mash tun was a sparge arm. Oh yeah, which is basically for listeners a rotating arm, which most of the professional breweries use. Mm. Um, but I found it was a bit of a hassle, and I, f- I found I, I'm sure for a professional brewery where they've got a massive vessel, mm. it's very efficient. But for when you're doing a small scale, which we tend to do, don't we? About five gallons at a time, yeah, twenty three liters. Um, it was taking too long, so I now just do a I, I I mash it, and then I do a second sparge. So I do my first sparge, then the second sparge. Mm. Um, and then put it straight into the boiler. I oh, see. So it's batch barging. Then you just oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I forgot the term. Yeah, bat, batch sparging. Mm. Um, and I think there's a difference with what you were doing the electric, isn't there? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I mean, I've oh. done them both. I've got sparge and I'm a fly sparge as well. So um, yeah. I, I've I've done it both ways. I mean, yeah, it's really entirely up to you. I mean, there's people that say that there's a slight um, efficiency drop. Uh, doing batch barge to fly barge and there is but it's yeah. so minimal it makes no difference no. um timing wise again like you say you have to you have to have your valves just right on a fly barge because your your liquor tank has to just drop as much as the mash does to going into your boiler so you have to have that value just right because you have to keep at least uh, i think if i remember rightly it's an inch over the top of the grain at all times yeah. when you're fly barging so there's a little bit more fussing with it but it's whatever you feel comfortable with, to be honest. I mean, I've done both, and I found both to be okay. You know, I've yeah. never had issues with either of them. Batch barging was nicer in a way because then you you know you're getting all the sugars out, and you know it's going to hold that temperature. So, yeah. I mean, there is a bit slight advantage to that, I think, in terms of doing the home brewing, yeah. brewing scale, like you say. What do you do? What do you do mainly now? Um, I'm sort of in between. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I think I'm leaning towards batch barging um, yeah. nowadays, just because of the convenience yeah. of it, and you don't have to be so you know, fickle of the, um, the values and I can run to and from the house then if I need to. I mean, my, my yeah. shed's about 30 meters away from the house. So <laughs> it's quite, quite a distance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for those listeners who, I mean, we're starting to talk beer speak now, sparging, basically sparging is, is rinsing the grains of the sugar, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so the other thing about brewing is, is that you've got to have a place to do it, haven't you? Mm. Oh, definitely. Now, now, I use my garage. Mm. That is my brewery. And when I'm brewing, that is my, my domain. What, what, and you, you've got a, a, a built shed for it, have you? Yeah. I, uh, well, what happened was is I started brewing and it just sort of got a bit out of control. I had a little plastic, plastic. well, I invested in um, a little plastic boiler uh, system yeah. like that and the old igloo mash tun. And oh, yeah. I was using it on the kitchen sink, you know, the, not the kitchen sink, sorry, the kitchen, uh, the oven on top of that, because that was the only space I had available because we've only got a small kitchen there. And um, as I started investing in more and more kit, it started like almost climbing up the wall. So uh, my wife was like, right, this is getting a bit out of control now. Um, you're going to have yeah. to find your own space. So that's when I thought, right, get a shed, build a shed, and I'll yeah. put it all in there. And then I can plumb it however I like. Yeah. So, yeah, so that that was just fantastic to have that amount of room. Not saying I have any more room now because <laughs> it just keeps right. getting added to. 
What's the first bit of advice you would give somebody who's thinking of starting to brew? Uh, so if I think if I was going to start again, um, I think, so I'd, I'd like to say just go straight to all grain, to be honest. Yeah. Um, if I was going to say anything. I did. Yeah. Because I, I think you, you get the bug very, very quickly and yeah. brewing is all about creativity. You, yeah. you can, you can, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with extract brewing because you're starting off on a base, but you get so much more creativity with gold grain. And if you've got the time, it's worth every minute doing it out there. I, I would agree with you. And, and what I find about brewing, it, it might seem a little bit daunting when, when you start, but you are dealing with natural products and, and they have a great ability to almost forgive some of the stuff you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if, if you start, you know, if you mash at slightly too high temperature, you can just put a bit of water in to cool it down. If you're a bit cold, you can put a bit of hot water in. Um, and I, I think that um, providing you are keeping things sanitised, and we'll talk about cleaning and sanitising hmm. in a minute. Yeah, very important anyway. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're okay on it. But th- I think the biggest thing, the biggest learning I got was not to be, well, I make it a habit of keeping a, a, uh, a book hmm. with a, a journal of what I'm doing. So every, every, every temperature that I've got going, how, what date I put the uh, yeast in mm-hmm. and everything. I always keep it. And I'm able to look back through my notes and say, well, hang on a minute, you know, I, I did this differently last time. So maybe that's what's changed the taste. Mm. I don't know if you do anything like that. Do you yeah. Know? I mean, I like to think of it as, because um, I've got an artistic background. Uh, yeah. I like to think of it looking at old drawings. You start off, you, right. you write, you know, you draw your old drawings down, similar to like when you're keeping your notes, you keep everything down. And then yeah. as you go on, you look back and you go, ah, oh, right. So you can see where you've come from because you look at certain, certain thing. You might have wrote a value down here, value down there, but you might not understand the connection to it. And later on, because you've got that much more experience, you look back and go, ah, I can see what's happened now. And yeah. it does happen. You, you'd be surprised yeah. how much you pick up uh, just reading, even just talking to people, even doing this. You know, you, you just, uh, you learn so much. And then you'll look back at things and you go, I don't know why I was so confused on this because it's so simple. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it all experience. It, it is. And, and it's just great fun, isn't it? Mm. Um, the other thing I was going to ask, because it, it probably won't be very different for each of us, but when you have what they call, it, us brewers, we call it a brew day. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how many hours would you say it takes somebody to, to have a proper brew day? Hmm. Uh, it depends. Uh, if you're doing, I mean, obviously, if you're doing 60-minute brews, 90-minute brews, always take a little bit of time. Um, I mean, I would like to say about five hours, I'd say. That's well. Strangely yeah. enough, that's the same number that I got, and that but that does include cleaning. No, no. Um, oh, you, you would add on cleaning, would you? Uh, well, I mean, I try to clean throughout. So, like when you're getting your, yeah. when you're doing your sparging and everything else, uh, and that's done, the mash is done. When you get yeah. into the boil, you do have time to clean, so you don't have to worry about. Don't ever leave it. Don't leave it overnight. I'll tell you that. You do. You only do that once for the mash tun, and you'll understand why if you ever do it. It is rancid. I've never done that. Oh, no. You, 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 oh. What happens then? Well, because you've, um, you've got a lot of lactic acid, lactic bas- yeah. bacteria in the uh, malt, which is absolutely brilliant if you want to make like a, a sour beer. Um, yeah. Do not leave malt in a mash tun overnight. Because when you go back and you think, oh, I'll leave the clean till tomorrow, because I've, I've done some before and I've underestimated the amount of time that it'll take me to do something. So I think I'll start it when I get home from work and you realise it's working into the night. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that is not a nice smell. Really no, is not. No. <laughs> well, well, I've never done that. But the other thing, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to start quite, usually at a weekend. Well, it's always, always a weekend, actually, unless I've got some holiday. But I'll start early in the morning. When I say early, sort of between six and seven. Yeah. I'll get I'll get I'll heat the water up mm. to 
the temperature that it needs to be to go into the mash tun, mm-hmm. which uh, we know is probably going to be about 78 <laughs> to 80 degrees yep. to achieve that, that um, 60, 67 degrees or 67 yeah i'm trying to remember i know it's saying that just look at it there's there's plenty of information just look it up i don't want to make anyone go wrong on this but yeah it's it's around that sort of mark anyway you can't go wrong with it no we we don't want to be too specific because all all the um all the details you you need to read through um what what i find great about the home brewing community though is the resources and the helpfulness oh yeah they're fantastic you know you find that yeah yeah the amount of times i've gone especially on the like i said a facebook group that's on um uh, home brewing network or whatever it's called because i'm on a few of them it's hard to it's hard to decipher which one i normally use the most but they are so helpful i mean it's, and it's really you know what i find brilliant about it is once you get to a certain level like uh like what, what we are although we're not experts yeah. someone will come over and ask that newbie question that you had yourself and you go no i love answering this question not because it never irritates you because you feel like you're really no. giving back to people who have helped you yourself yeah yeah no, i mean the one i've used i think you mentioned it there was homebrew forum mm. uh which is a, is, a, is a great form. Some really helpful people there. And, and it's good to give back a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It feels fantastic. Questions will come through and you, th- you think, um, I can help the guy, guy doing that. Hmm. So in terms of the fermentation process, I don't know about you, but I, I find that quite fascinating. And um, one of the things I did is I, I bought an old fridge. I bought a, uh, an Inkbird temperature mm-hmm unit yep. uh, so, so i could actually control my fermentation temperature because like i said at the beginning of the show in the 70s and 80s when people were buying kits say from boots it was basically the procedure is that you would put your plastic fermentation vessel into an airing cupboard mm-hmm. yeah but the temperatures must have gone wild it must have gone absolutely crazy yeah. you know yeah. i mean even now i mean when you read it now they say you know th- these temperature changes can re-stress the yeast out and uh, you don't really think about it, but even wild changes between five, five and ten degrees can really make the yeast stress out, which can cause a lot of esters. Which is, if you want it, which esters are um, like sort of fruity flavors, which are good in some things, but are really terrible in other yeah. beers. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so much more that we know now on a molecular level that helps yes. brewers yes. now. It's fascinating. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever harvested your own? Beers? Yes, I've. Um, I, I my last three beers, I use a conical fast ferment, and it's okay. basically a fermenter that has a like a coned bottom to it, and it has a little uh, like almost a little bulb with a valve on it. Yeah. And it's brilliant because yeah. you can just turn that valve, take your your trub off with the yeast in it, wash it out, and then you can put it in new new brews. And I've done that, and it's uh, I've had some really good results out of it. Although it seems very scary at first, because you think, you know, when you normally get your yeast, you have to be so sanitary of everything. And although you do still have to be sanitary this time, you kind of think you're you're exposing it to so many different things that you think it's going to go wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just for listeners, when we talk about yeast, there are a number of different ways that you can put your yeast in. You can buy powdered dried yeast, which is pretty straightforward. Uh, you can buy what they call wet yeast, and you can harvest yeast, as Darren's just been saying. So there are there are various. I I've actually I, I went through the, I went through buying wet yeast, but I've actually gone back to dry yeast. Yeah. Um, but I do I do um, sort of make make it wet first, hmm. just by putting some water with it, some boiled cool down water with it, hmm. so that it. Uh, but it just it just it's just again it's less stress on the yeast, isn't it? When it because you know, you're not it's not absorbing straight sugars. You got you're giving it a little bit of lead time. It's almost like leading someone into a room rather than throwing them into the swimming pool or something like that. You know, it's just completely yeah. like that. 
And, and I'm sure you'll have something to say on this cleaning and sanitising, Darren, but but I think uh, one of the newbie things that uh, I, I probably got a bit confused about was the difference between cleaning stuff and sanitising stuff. Yeah. Now, people seem to think that using a sanitizer will clean things um, yeah. and you're literally just sanitising dirt. <laughs> it's, it's still there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I would recommend, um, like a, I mean, if you're starting out, washing up liquid is fine. Don't rely on it. Get yourself saying like, if you're going to go serious on it, get yourself some PBW or something like that, and that that will clean it out completely. Uh, even if you've got some old kit, just soak it in it for overnight before you do anything in it. Always sanitize on the day. Don't leave it overnight, and it's give it that within the half an hour. I think it's got as a recommended. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I use a product called Starsan. Yes, Starsan is a very good product, which is a, a no rinse. In fact, the guy who um, who actually manufactures it. It was seen on the presentation actually drinking it. Oh, right. Really? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. No, I don't recommend that at all. <laughs> nasty chemical. Nasty chemical but I, I guess that's a good – I think he's still alive. Oh, that's good. It's probably, probably a good way of um, selling it. Well, he might be preserved. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I, love, I love brewing, as you know, hmm. and I know you do. And somebody once said to me that basically all you are as a brewer is, is somebody as a servant to the yeast. Yeah, I suppose. It, and, and a cleaner. Yeah. I mean, you're completely reliant on nature taking its course. I mean, you're providing it with all the tools, but other than that, you've got no say in how that yeast wants to play. Yeah. One of the things I was going to mention was um, when I, 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 I often give bottles out to people. I can't drink it all myself hmm. um, because I'd be like a barrel. But um, <laughs> I, tend, I tend to give bottles out to people. and They always say how great it is. Do you find that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've tried to stress to people, like, tell me. If it's terrible, yeah. tell me. But I think... Yeah. A lot of the time, I think people, I think sometimes you do well and people don't know what the warning signs in the beer are. So, I mean, because they're not like uh, a taster, for example, Uh, they might actually prefer something, but you might give it to someone who's professionally trained and they might go, there's quite a lot of elements in there that aren't really working right. Um, You do get the element of everyone wants to please you, which is nice in a way, but it's not really helpful. No, I find close family members tend to say how great it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky that my dad will tell me if it's horrible, and I've had that a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. So. I, and I, I think you have to be very um, basic uh, in terms of your language with people. If you start mentioning things like astringency, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can see people's people fuzzing over. I mean, astringency for people for listeners is is basically if you can imagine sucking on an old tea bag, that is astringency, mm. not good, and sometimes beer particularly when you've mashed it too low perhaps uh tastes astringent mm. so I, I wouldn't i wouldn't recommend that what's the the worst part of the process of of making and bottling beer would you say darren um, for you? i think possibly the time um bottling itself is just uh it's, it's very tedious although i mean there's there's a little bit of a sort of zen quality to it once you get once you start yeah i quite yeah. as much as people especially on the forums they, they complain about it i kind of have a nice sort of time because i set it all up make it all yeah. done and you know, i've got a um you know a quick drying rack that sort of thing as well yeah it makes yeah. the process so much easier because you can just have a bottle rack you can put 40 bottles on it and they're all draining and you've got a little sanitizing bowl thing to do it with yeah uh just makes it much nicer but yeah i kind of enjoy the bottling day yeah yeah i i find with bottling um the the hard part is is as you say getting everything ready to bottle mm. So going into the garage, because I tend to do it in the kitchen, getting everything out of the garage, putting it in the kitchen, cleaning the bottles. The actual bottling and capping is quite straightforward. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I've got 
because I've got that fast cement, you can uh, take all the trouble from it. You can put the there's a valve that goes on the bottom of it. Of a bar. Sorry, so did you, you say fast fast ferment? Yes, that's it. Yeah. So it's got like a. Tell us a bit about the fast. Oh, tell us a bit sorry, more yeah. about fast ferment. Yeah, so it's like I said before, it's like a conical fermenter. Um, the idea yeah. is because it's got a cone's edge to it, the yeast. Because when when you brew, you'll see the yeast. It just it's, it's got so much um, rotating pieces in it. The the, the chemical reactions that are crazy. But the amount of CO2 and stuff it releases, it just rolls around, rolls around and rolls around. So the idea of the conical one, that's called the fast ferment for its name, is that it's supposed to concentrate these things and make it ferment out faster because it has more contact. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, having that cone and the, the, the bottle at the bottom is brilliant for taking it off, but it also is really good for yeah. bottle, bottling day because you can take that bulb off, you can get all the trap out completely, you can yeah. attach a bulb on the bottom, and then you can actually bottle straight from the bottom of the fermenter. So you're not wasting anything. You're not putting it in a, a bottling bucket before. No, no, a bottle straight from straight, it. Straight. straight from it. Wow, that, that sounds good. And, and and do you um? How do you well, for listeners? Prime just means adding a bit um, of sugar. But I, how how do you prime your bottles? I batch prime. So you yeah. get a basically a, a, a certain amount of um, sugar for the amount of yeah. volume that you've got. So it might be I don't know twenty five grams. You know, it's not exactly what it is, but you know, if you calculate it by what your alcohol content is and your style that you're going for um and then you can calculate the amount of sugar you've got so you boil boil a load of water put all your sugar in it let it cool down then you pour it very slowly without splashing it in the top of the fermenter and stir it incredibly carefully with a sanitized spoon and then you can bottle that unfortunately i haven't had any bottle bombs so i kind of keep it dear to my chest now doing a lot that way yeah um why why do you stir it gently it's just to to get the sugar to move all the way around it i find it just a bit more even before i do it and i leave it 10, you, 20 minutes. You wouldn't splash it. You, you wouldn't splash it around. Oh no, no, no! So you get any okay. any air in in your finished product. You don't want any kind of yeah. or, um, yeah. oxidized flavors in that. So, um, just for listeners, we we've just been talking about priming and putting sugar in, and the reason we put we put sugar into bottles is because we are going to be going for a natural carbonation process, hmm. where where we're waiting for the the yeast that are left in in the beer will eat the. Well, they will, they will digest. They don't eat. My my daughter, who does biology, told me they don't eat. They digest, <laughs> or or they does it metabolize? They, or? they breathe it. Yeah, they breathe it. Yeah. I believe. Um, they actually turn that into CO two, hmm. which gives it the fizz. Um, so another question I'm often asked, and, and I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are, Darren. From when you start a beer to when you can drink it, how long does that take? Well, I'm I'm quite this slow. Leave it. Leave it for a long time. It'll be fine. Uh, I try and uh, ferment for at least two weeks as a minimum. Uh, and then I leave it for the bottle for two weeks. So I would say four weeks at a minimum is when I would potentially drink it. Yeah. Not, not to say that I don't nip it every now and again, just to see how it's going, you know. Well, you've got, you've got to test it. For <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, exactly. So, oh, But then again, it's really good. Again, for if you're keeping your notes, it's a very good resource to test it every couple of yeah. days because you can actually change, notice the changes in it. Sometimes you can leave a bottle for another four weeks and it'll taste completely different from when you think it's ready to drink. So it's definitely worth keeping in notes. No, I I agree with you totally. I mean, I'm the same as you. Two weeks fermenting, even if it's finished fermenting, I'll give it two weeks. Mm. I'll give it two weeks in the bottle to condition at a a steady temperature, probably similar to the temperature that it was fermenting at, and then two weeks cooler where it conditions. Mm. Um, But I find uh, with lagers, um, the difference, what's the difference between lager and, and ale? Um, well, I mean, are you talking about sort of yeast-wise or just in, in general, how it's made? Yeah, 
Yeah, I suppose we ought to explain that it's different yeast. Yeah, so uh, it's a uh, top fermenting yeast, if I remember rightly, for lagers, and they ferment in a slightly. Well, it's not. It's, it doesn't actually ferment any differently. I suppose it's just a different. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's. Sorry to. No, it's fine. Uh, help me. I think, it's the other way. I think yeah, it's okay. I, I didn't want to do all this. No, no, you're on. You're you're on the podcast as a guest. You see, so, um, it's actually a. The ale is a top fermenting. Oh, that's right. And the lager is a bottom. I it was one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're only fifty <laughs> percent. We get the point. They're different yeasts. Yeah, they're different yeasts, and you have to ferment them in a different way. So, temperature-wise, the yeast tolerate different types of temperature. Um, yeah. Lagering. Uh, I think the actual word is cold stored or cold condition it's the german word isn't it it comes from that sort of it is, isn't it yeah yeah so yeah. I, I think it act, it's a literal meaning to cold stored or cold cast or something like that um so you're, yeah. you're kept it at that lower temperature um it does create quite a stink i don't know if you found that with yours because it a sulfur yes yeah, sulfur it's a very very yes. sulfury smell yes. um yes. and that's quite that's quite an impact when you've got your fridge isn't it when you open that up and you think oh i wonder how it's oh, doing wow. oh that is yeah. that is yeah. intense because yeah. I had it in the yeah. living room when I had my first fridge and it was like my my wife came there she went, oh my god what are you doing <laughs> you do question what you're doing don't you you sort of think is is it should it be like yeah this? and that's that's the great thing about the forums you can sort of you know put a question out there and somebody will tell you not to worry about it it's okay mm. uh, but you're right yeah it, it stinks doesn't it to begin with yeah and then it sort of mellows out and you'll get that you'll get that that real lager taste and that first time you have that and you get that lager taste you go wow you know this is yeah. this is really nice and especially when you get that lovely summer day and you crack open your own lager there's no better feeling a nice cool lager that you've made mm. it's excellent isn't it yeah i don't know about you but but when i give beers i was i was explained to people that when they pour the beer they have to do it very carefully yeah at an angle 45 degrees or whatever it is just so you don't get that last bit of um, yeah the, the, the yeast you don't want to have that yeah. <laughs> i mean i know there's uh Oh, where is it? Is it in the Netherlands or something like that? They actually shake the beer around. So they actually curl, so they basically pour the beer and then the last bit of the yeast, they will shake the bottle around so they get it all and then they pour it over the top, almost like an ice cream. I don't know really? I, I don't know what what that adds to the beer, but I I, I can't see myself doing it. No. No, I, I've done it by accident. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> probably after after several beers and haven't really noticed it, but I'm sure if it was the first beer beer I would notice it. Yeah. I don't know about about you, um, the, the the other thing that a lot of people tend to ask is, oh, can, can you sell your beer? Yeah, that's a very that, that's a, that's a no no, isn't it? Yeah, really? there, there was a I don't know if you uh, know, but there was a loophole that got quashed very very uh, very very quickly. And what they were doing? Oh, I didn't know there was a, there, was, oh, right. there was a thing where you could give it away in raffles. So what people yeah. were doing is they were going, oh, we'll do a raffle and you can win a beer, you know, pay you know two pound fifty or whatever. Oh, look, you've won. Yeah. Oh, look, you've won, and everybody yeah. who got the ticket won. Funny enough, uh, they, they quickly uh, quickly stopped that when they found that people were doing this all over the country. But they, it's just a very interesting little thing to think about. It's an interesting story. I'd, I'd never heard of it. Yeah, look it up. It's, it's really the, funny. Uh, yeah, in them re- in them revenue customers. Yeah, the funny colours were very quickly thinking. Hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, coming from a, a graphic design background, do you, do you sort of do special designs for your beer? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I quite like doing it. I, the only problem i have is i can do logos and uh, designs for other people when it comes to myself i'm so critical and when i do it i, I never tend to 100 percent like what i'm doing uh but i do oh, I, I do love to make my own bottles i mean i never i don't think they're ever going to be uh perfect but yeah. i do enjoy doing it and it does add a little bit of flair especially if you're giving to family members it, it adds that just that little bit of personal touch to it 
if, you, if you're going to personally do all the beer yourself, you might as well invest in doing something in the labels, even if you think it's terrible. It's just that little bit yeah. extra personal touch on it. Yeah. No, it, it, it is. I mean, I'll tell you what I like about brewing the most is really that whole creative um, aspect of it where you're actually starting something right from the beginning, making it yourself, um, and then you, you end up having something that, that's really nice to drink and you can give it to people and have some fun. And, you know, you can make, as you said, you can make it look good with a label. It's just great, isn't it? Mm. I've even seen people that have done a, uh, they've, they've melted wax over the top. You know, so they're giving that, right, that sort yeah. of old, really old sort of uh, wine bottle look. And I thought that was... Like the wild, wild beer company bottles. Yeah, stuff exactly like that. Like, yeah. yeah. They, they just look fantastic. Don't they? You look at them and you go, bloody hell, that looks so good. And it's such a simple process. Yeah. But it just adds that little bit of, uh, little bit of flair to it. And I think um, it's really sort of lacking nowadays. Yeah. Where, where did you get your, your um, I noticed that you've got a blog. Yeah. Where, where did you get the name oh. Red Baron Brewery? It's, it's a horrible subject, that, that name. So I, oh. I, I, I've always loved foxes and I've always loved biplanes. And I thought, oh, brilliant. You know, I'll add them two together. The, the name is spelt wrong. As much as I am a graphic designer, you would think I would uh, get that, wouldn't you? There's uh, two R-O's, or two R's, sorry, yeah. in Baron. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to think it's, I did it because it's Darren, so it's two R's and Baron, it's like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, did you see the spelling mistake in it or did you just assume it was there on purpose? Uh, what the 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 B A W R? I thought it was on purpose, and I'll tell you why. That's why because I I'm a bit sad really. I googled it and I saw there was another brewery called Red Baron Brewery. Yeah. Um. So that's where you got the name from. Yeah. So basically, foxes and biplanes. I loved it and put it together. When I put Red Baron, when you spell it wrong, there's no names like that, and it's incredibly hard to find try and make your own name up that hasn't already been taken. Even the most know, bizarre yeah. thing in the world, you, you go, oh, yeah. what about that? The instant you type it in, there's a brewery somewhere that's got it. And uh, yeah. I want to be unique, and it's very, very hard to be unique with a name in the world like it is now where everyone's out there doing it. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's just uh, you feel a little bit sort of um, deflated when you get this really fantastic name. You go in there, you type it in, and it's already been taken by someone. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's a great name, and I, and I love the logo, that which you, I, I assume you designed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you tell us a bit about your blog? Yeah. So we can, what we'll do later on, we'll put it in the show notes. Oh, brilliant. Thank um, you. So that people can, can go to it. And along with other stuff like, you know, the forums that we spoke mm-hmm. about, places where you can get, get uh, brewing ingredients, and, and those books we mentioned, I think that'd be good to put in. But yeah, can you just tell us a little bit about your blog? Please? So it started, as, uh, basically, it was a bit of a motivation. Um, I mean, if you do read through it from the start, there's a little bit of a drop in activity in a couple of times, and that's even where, you know, life's got in the way as it does. Um, I try and keep it, I have done quite at the moment, try to keep it every Wednesday. Um, even if it's, even if I've got a lot, lot to put on there, I'll put on something that keeps me going. Because I found that having that is a real good push, especially when you're, you're doing something like that. And, and it's really lovely. Even today, I still look back on the old stuff. And it's like I was saying earlier about the old drawings. You look back on it and you find, you know what, I've really come a long way from where I was before. So it's almost like having those little incremental photos of your life that go way through and you feel like you're really making a difference. Yes. So I would advise anyone, if they, if you want to start up and you feel, oh, maybe I'm not doing so well, start anyway. Just even if you've got a few little things to put on there, just put some photos up, even a couple of little lines of text because you will go back to it and you will appreciate having that time. As a, as a sort of diary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and that's exactly about making beer isn't it hmm. you, know, you just go for it we're both recommending or we're both suggesting that if just be brave go for all green and um, there's people there will help you. you you can't really go a lot wrong 
Um, I, I've, I've, I've thought about, but I'm not particularly thinking about it, one of these all-grain all things like a grain father. Oh, right, yeah. Those who want to know a bit more about it, they're quite popular at the moment. It's basically one, one vessel or machine that does the whole job of brewing for you. Um, I guess, you know, a bit like a bread maker. But personally, I, I like the way that I can do, I can control every, every little individual aspect of what I'm doing with my three vessel system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how they are quite attractive and how you can make consistent beer. Have you looked at them at all? To, to be honest, they don't interest me as much. I, I know I've built my electrics box, but there's so much hands-on, you know, the control box I've got, I've, I've built, but there's, there's still so much hands-on and I kind of enjoy it. It's, 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 it's almost like a little day out for me when I'm doing my brew day. And I think um, as, as much as I know that people, it's very convenient for people who don't have a lot of time, um, I think it would take away something from the beer f- for me personally, I think. You know, I agree entirely. Yeah, I, I, I think it. I think it's like making bread, isn't it? I, I, I don't do a lot of baking, but if I made bread, I want to do it with my hands mm. and everything, rather than just chuck it in the machine and wait for yeah. it. But you know, each to their own. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Exactly. And um, if you if you do go that way, don't be afraid to go onto the brew forums because people are still very helpful. That's right. I, th- I think that's the point we're making, isn't it? Everybody's different, and just because the two of us like our system doesn't mean to say it's the right one. There, there are different ways of doing things, hmm. and there's just as many people using these machines, and probably more now, I think, than, than anybody. Yeah. Um, just a- another subject while we're sort of getting towards the end of the show. Create, you know, m- brewing beer does involve quite a lot of um, mess <laughs> in terms of splashing up <laughs> and stuff like yeah. that, but also. Um, when you've used five or five and a half kilograms of grain, what do you tend to do with it when you've used it? Uh, I have made um, little brownies out of it before. <laughs> they come out absolutely brilliant, yeah. I mean, I couldn't use it all because, you know, it's, there's so much, isn't there? Um, I've got a dehydrator, so I stick it in layers on there, dehydrate it, and then I like, make it into like biscuits with chocolate and stuff, and they come out absolutely gorgeous. But the, the, the thing is, there's so much of it. And, I mean, normally I've got to put it in, um, in like the, you know, the, the brown bin sort of thing because it's just... I try and try and drain as much water out of it as possible, and I sort of put it into the uh, sort of yeah, green waste. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could give it to have a farmer. Have you got a recipe for those? Kind of uh, biscuits? No, not really. I mean, I kind of just threw everything together. <laughs> I've only ever made them a couple of times, so. Uh, right, okay. I was going to say it might, might be worth putting on the blog. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so, yeah. I didn't think about it too much. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a possibility of doing that. I mean, it was only like it was like honey and chocolate and. Anything I could find in the cupboard, I'd chucked in there a bit of vanilla essence, you know, that sort of thing, just to think, you know, what does a biscuit taste like and go along that way. But they, they did come out very, very nice. And I took them to a family's home, uh, sorry, cousin's house, and uh, the kids loved it. They just ate them all. Yeah. I, I saw somebody on a forum who makes dog biscuits. Yeah, that's a very popular way of doing it, yeah. I haven't got a dog, but I tend to – I've got a couple of um, compass bins so I, I stick it all in the compass bin. Now, I've done about 40 brews. We were working this out the other mm. day. I've done about 40 brews, and each one's roughly, what, five five kilograms? Yeah. It's quite a lot of weight to it, isn't it? Two, well, it is. I mean, you look at it, 200 kilograms mm. of, of used grain that's been put into two compass bins that you would think there's nothing in there. They, they've, just, you know, they've just gone down to nothing. But that's, that's another thing. I like the environmental uh, aspect mm. that you can actually... You know, you can use it all. The cooling water through the uh, chiller goes into the fish pond. Once I was just going to say that. Once it's, <laughs> you do something I've got a uh, I've got 160 litre water butt that I've got on the outside of my shed, and uh, I funnel the water straight into that, and then I use it to water. I've got a hot plants, so uh, if you see on the blog, I've got a couple of posts on it, uh, and I water my hot plants with it. And I've also got like a little veggie patch sort of thing, so I use all that for all that sort of water as well. 
Mm. I mean, when it's yeah. when it's very very cold, you can throw loads of ice water in in the water, but circulate it around. I've had a couple of successes with that, but I mean, sometimes when it gets to the summer, it's just so hot, it just doesn't make a difference. Yeah. So, but did you mention hop? I, th- I think I saw it actually. You've got some hops growing. Yeah, it. I um, I've got uh, a fuggle and a phoenix hop variety, and you buy a rhizome. I think that's the way you pronounce it. Rhizome, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like a, a root system that's uh, been cut off from a, another hop plant, and it basically makes a clone wherever you grow it yeah. of that plant. Um, I think they're on their second year now. I did have a previous uh, fuggle, but I think I didn't. I didn't have enough experience looking after it um, and it, right. it ended up dying but these two are going really strong I also went so, so, sorry go on so you'll be making you'll be using them to make beer this yeah, year yeah I'm, I'm hoping they, they really come out I mean they they tend to be the best on the third year um, I think you get 80% for Brightly on the second year so I'm hoping I'll get some hops off there and try that because I've never had Phoenix before so I thought yeah, I'd get a different variety and try that that's fantastic. And when when the hops are ready, I guess what September. Like yeah, that? sort of around sort of tail end of the year. Do do you do you have to dry them before you? Yeah, it's them? it's there's a certain percentage you've got to dry them down to. Um, I can't remember exactly how much it is, but yeah, you, you have to dry them surfing. You can throw them in as green hops. Um, you can use you, what they call green beers. That's basically where you just like um, throw them throw them in as they are. Um, I know they give a sort of grassy taste, so it might work in some beers, but. To me, it's it's yeah. going to be better if you can dehydrate them even a little bit just to get as much moisture out of them as possible. Then you can store them in like a vacuum bag and then in the freezer, and then you can use them whenever you need to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds. I must I must grow one myself. Actually, that sounds. Mm. Really I'll send you one down if you like. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, what a rhizome mm. or something. Well, I think these ones get any bigger next year. I'll have to cut a piece of the root off then. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's nice being able to share it like that. that. That's fantastic, and I I will definitely send you a couple of my beers. Um, for you to try hmm. Darren. that's good when this one's done I'll, uh, I'll have to send you some as well it'd be a nice little sharing relationship wouldn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it would be good because um, it's nice to we haven't even spoken about off flavours oh yet, no but it'd be nice to yeah uh, so, so what are off flavours so they could come in huge variety of different things um, Dwight's will be in one of the main ones uh, which is it gives a buttery sort of taste to a beer Di- what, what, yeah yeah um I know you can get it from uh, if you because basically when you do a boil, when you boil your beer, you're supposed to leave the lid off. Although there's conflicting things about that now, anyway. So as the as the beer boils, it there's the precursor dice tool that um, boils off, and I can't remember what the precursor name is called, but it boils off. So then you don't have any of this sort of buttery taste. So if you leave it in there with the lid on the dice tool, as it boils off, it condenses on the top of the um, boil lid, and it drips back into your beer. And it just it just is not a very nice flavour at all. It's almost like that that really fake um, butter that you have on like um, popcorn. Uh, yeah, it's not very nice. And like you said before, uh, stringency is another thing. Uh, I think it comes from uh, tannins. If we're in a brightly, if you if you over-spargy water and you you mash, you can get tannins, and you can get that astringent sort of almost like you say it's like that puckering, and it's uh, really again not a nice taste. Um, oxidation is another thing. Uh, if you have too much, um, if you splash around your water too much when the beer's finished, uh, or you know if you get any kind of air air pockets or any that sort of thing, which you don't want, especially when um, people um, 
siphon the beer off. Sometimes you get water in the line, uh, sorry, air in the line. Uh, you don't want any of that because that causes that that real sort of, you know, eating the cardboard, the horrible taste again. It's, it's not nice flavours. They're, the, they're the three main ones I think you really come across. Have you have you had experience in, in any of your brews where, where those flavours have come from? Astringency, definitely. I've definitely had that. Um, I've been quite fortunate that uh, I don't think I've had any oxidised beer. And not that I've left it long enough to toast it, I don't think, because I know oxidiz- oxidization can happen the longer you leave it in the bottle. Not you know, It, it comes out more the longer it is it's kept. Um, that's why a lot of things have expiry dates on them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, although these things will happen, don't worry about it. If you're starting out, just, just crack on with it, even if it's horrible. At least you're, every beer you make, you're getting better at doing it. And every one that you fail on, you're learning from it. So, you do, don't you? Have, you, have you ever had to dump a beer? Uh, I have once. Um, I, yeah, I've, done, I've, I've done it twice. Have it? Uh, I had this, yeah, like, like both of them had a phenolic taste. Mm. It was like TC. Oh, yeah, yeah, band aids sort of, yeah, it's horrible. Actually, that is disgusting. And I thought, oh, it would be okay. So, I thought, no, I'm not going to bother bottling it, um, wasting all my time. So, I thought that I'd dump it. Mm. But again, you learn. You learn from it. Yeah. So I, I think it was, I'm getting very technical now, but I think it was to do with the fact that um, it was something to do with the yeast, mm. that it took a long time for the yeast to get into action, probably two days. And in that time, you know, you've got a vessel full of a beautiful sugar solution. So any any little bug around uh, wants it for their meal. And I think they got in first and fought off mm. the, the yeast and into Band-Aid, TCP, phenolic I mean, I have heard of people that have got the, uh, you know, bacteria sort of, you know, army that have gone in there and taken over and they've actually produced really good beers afterwards. I think it, oh, right. I think it really comes down because, you know, like um, Lambics and stuff are all basically yeah. bacteria that have, that have made that up. So they've, they've got a sour beer quality to them. So even if you do have that, I mean, just let it ferment out and see what you think. Because sometimes... I'm not saying it always happens, but sometimes you might end up with a good beer. Be very, very hard to replicate, but <laughs> sometimes they do come out nice. So I think sometimes it's just leaving it longer. You can get them flavours to almost sort of mellow out. Just before we um, we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, for listeners who are perhaps thinking about doing some beer, is, is there anything else that you'd like to share with them that they it would be good advice for them at all? Um, I mean, definitely go to your local homebrew store if you've got one. Uh, I unfortunately don't have one anywhere near because they'll be a fantastic source of knowledge you go down there you can actually smell some of the hops you know you can get an idea of the sort of flavors and stuff that you might be able to originate um and don't worry don't worry about so much when you when you're brewing the first couple don't expect them to be fantastic they might be they might not be but just carry on you you got to find the fun in doing the process no, I, I, I totally agree with that. One bit of advice I would say is, um, in terms of bottles, get your friends to give you their, their mm, bottles. Absolutely. Get beers in return. Don't sell them. <laughs> um, and um, if you get the chance to, I don't know if you've done this, but I, I actually took a day off work and, and went to a brewery, a local brewery, to work there for the day. Oh, I've, I've tried that so many times. I, I just want yeah. that one in. Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to all the local ones around there, especially at the moment. It's, it's horrible, isn't it? This this uh, Corona thing's not really helping anyone, but it it, it was a big learning process. Mm. Uh, uh, but obviously, you're doing it on a much much bigger scale. Mm. Darren, this has been a fantastic conversation talking to a fellow. Mm, it has been really enjoyed it. Thanks ever so much for coming on the yeah, show. Thanks for letting um, me be on it. I will feel quite honoured. It's it's great, and, and I'll put all your details on on the show notes so that people can have a look. And and um, I suppose you want to say cheers. Yeah, now. cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> thanks so much. 
Okay. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 